This episode of Stuck in the 80s has been brought to you by... Hey, you scratched my ankle! <laughs> the 80s Cruise. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, we honor our favorite band cameos in 80s movies. All right. We're the, uh, we're the pinheads. I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Next, please. With me today, if there was an 80s movie that would be named after them, what would it be? Would it be Tango and Cash, the Blues Brothers twins? I think Turner and Hooch. <laughs> It's uh, Brad in L.A. and just Drew. Turner and Hooch. Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, as long as he's Hooch. I don't want to be the dog. Yeah. You slobber a lot. You know. He gets it in the end, too. Spoiler alert. I know. Seriously. Oh, wow. <laughs> Dang. Give that you away. You two would rather pick another movie to... Uh... Yeah, I think I think sure thing. We'd be calling you Steve to come and, and come across country and come hook up with one of our lady friends. Come out to the coast. Well, wait a minute. Seriously? Wait a minute. I'm not against this. If you have a sure thing lady friend... <laughs> You know, uh, I know some divorcees. Yeah. yeah, you know, come on out to Santa Clarita. I can show you the local cougar scene. Has to be no guilt involved, no strings attached. A sure thing. We'll shotgun some beers. It'll happen. Absolutely. And uh, there'll be no uh, cross country road trip. It'll be a plane flight, <laughs> which I'll be happy to pay for. But that means no Daphne Zuniga or Zuniga. Her is our last yeah. name. Zuniga. And we won't be able to find out who invented liquid soap and why. Some questions are meant to be left, especially during this podcast, which has nothing. Nothing like to what do the hell are we talking thing. about? Yeah. <laughs> nice tangent. So, uh, it hit us the other day. And I, Drew, do I give you credit for this one? Because were you the one who came up with the idea of? Oh my god! No, no, no! I didn't forget. This was not mine. It's Brad. Uh, no, Steve. You and I talked about this like a year or two ago because I had oh it on my. god! I had it in my notes. I had it on my notes <laughs> of show ideas. So it doesn't even time. count. Just the other day, or I can't even remember. I mean, did we? We. I don't even remember conversations. All right, we then had. I'm taking credit. Well, I get, I get that. I'm not saying you shouldn't remember the conversation. But. Okay. And so the, the premise of today's show is we have gone through, we've we've kind of racked our brains to think of uh, all the '80s movies we love, uh, many of which feature, you know, surprise appearances, uh, sometimes more scripted appearances uh, by some of the bands we loved from the '80s. And so we've narrowed it down to ten, and we 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 battled during the week to see, you know. Do some bands deserve to be in there? Like, do the Blues Brothers deserve to be in this ranking? And we decided no, because no. The, essentially the entire movie is... It's a vehicle to get bands in there. I mean, that's all that movie was. Right. It's one yeah. long video, yeah. Well, me and the Lord, we got an understanding. Same thing with Rock and Roll High School. Well, which also 1979. Like 79, I know, I but know. But still, it's... Yeah. It's... 
a big Ramones fan. Yeah, and to be honest, if, even if we said 15 movies, I still wouldn't put Rock and Roll High School in there. I can't stand that movie. What? But I don't like it. Me no likey. <laughs> Come on. You don't, Clint Howard? Eagle Bauer Enterprises? Uh, That's comedy gold. But I want to go out on a date. Say no more. Eagle Bauer Enterprises has a man for you. Rarely ever are the words yeah. comedy gold. passes are off the chart. Howard in the same sentence. I know. That's what makes it so oh, special. God. I think there's some rule so, that if Clint Howard is wearing a, a headset, the movie does well. There was something ooh. about that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the movies where he wears a headset, and they made fun of that in Austin Powers because he shows up in one scene when they're talking about, oh, it looks like a giant, you know, when they... One is yeah. Clint Howard wearing a headset. One of them's him. Oh, That's yeah. Right. So because Apollo said. 13, he would have yep. had one. He would have had one in uh, The Waterboy, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I think he was. He was wearing – anyway, that was a that was a little Hollywood wow. trope for, for a while. That's our next show, uh, favorite <laughs> headgear in 80s movies. It's a very short list, but it will be important. I thought we were doing great fourth wall breaks <laughs> of the 80s. Yeah, everyone has their pet project that they want to get made. That's yours. Just like the majority of second 80s fans eventually wanted to, to handle uh, cartoons in the 80s, which I'm like – I think cartoons in the 90s, I'm sorry, they were a little better than cartoons in the 80s. I didn't watch cartoons in the 80s. I watched cartoons in the 70s. Well, there was that, but I mean, we got Pinky and the Brain and the Animaniacs and stuff like that in the 90s. Ren and Stimpy. And Ren and Stimpy, yeah. Uh, Danger Mouse. I think Danger Mouse might have been. Oh, I love Danger Mouse. So anyway, again, uh, (laughs) where are we going? Wow. I'd like to say we're back, but we never actually started, so we just have Great. to start. Well, the downloads are just adding up on the show. Anybody still listening? So anyway, we have our list of uh, 10 movies, our favorite 10 movies with band cameos in the 80s. Let's get started right now. Number 10. Ah, yes, the uh, familiar refrain of Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Can anyone name the movie this appears in? That's in Body Double. Yep, 1984, Body Double, directed by Brian De Palma. Yeah, it's a weird scene. It is a weird scene. It's a The whole movie is kind of like a direct homage to uh, Hitchcock. But there's a scene where the main character, um, he's posing as a producer, and he kind of wanders onto the set. Following him around, singing Relax, is uh, lead singer Holly Johnson. Okay, I'm glad you guys explained that because I didn't see this. I've never seen this movie, and when I was looking up all the clips, I saw the clip. You know, it, it kept. I kept thinking, this is just a music video. Where's the clip from the movie? Yeah, it's like a weird dream sequence, kind of like what the hell? Yeah, is it was going really on? strange. Yeah, it, I mean, I wouldn't really make time to watch it. <laughs> Top ten movies you shouldn't make time to watch from the '80s. Because <laughs> <laughs> back in the '80s, I mean, if Brian De Palma made a movie, I, I used to like to watch it. I liked his style, but this one was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, but I do yeah. love. Frankie goes to Hollywood. I'm on the record with that. And it is kind of interesting to see Holly Johnson kind of follow around in the scene, lip syncing his song. It's pretty cool because, you know, I mean, obviously Frankie goes to Hollywood broke up um, after their second album, Liverpool, which was about 1986, I think. 86, 87. But Holly Johnson is still out there performing. He, um, he pops up at a lot of those European 80s festivals. Okay. Yeah, he was supposed to be on the first, maybe the second regeneration yeah. tour, and he pulled yeah. out. And I contacted oh, his yeah. agent one time to try to get him on the show, and he's like, "Well, you know, 
yes for when he's actually doing something again, but right now he's on you know hiatus. And I'm, but we are not stuck in the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw this out there real quick. When I was doing the research, I saw that they had um, the woman who eventually appeared as Gozer the Go- Gozerian <laughs> in Ghostbusters. Really? Huh. She was on there. And then in an odd twist, and this was not intentional when I mentioned him earlier, but uh, Rob Paulson, who was a voice actor who actually did Pinky in the Brain, oh, was dear. also on that set. That is strange. So just a I weird s- little connection there. I think actually it's Gozer who has sex with the uh, main character at the end of that scene. If someone asks oh, you really? if you're a porn star, you say yes! As a duly designated representative of the city, county, and state of New York... I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Let's move on down the list. What's next? Number nine. Hmm, who can recognize that band? Well, that's obviously the Downhone Stompers. <laughs> this is a great cameo. This is ZZ Top. In Back to the Future 3, I did go back and actually actually watch this whole scene from Back to the Future because it's a long yeah, scene. It is. It's an important scene, too. I mean, Doc dances with Clara. He gets threatened by Buford Tannen, and Marty interrupts him. Frisbee. And Frisbee's getting With invented. the Frisbee, yeah. I mean, you get to find out a lot of cool stuff. It's a very momentous scene. And here are the three guys from ZZ Top, Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, and the ironically named Frank Beard. He's the only one without a beard. You know, and they're all just up there doing their thing. I like I the that spinning drum. Cool. Yeah. How many how many times did you guys watch this before you realized that was Easy Top? Or how many people realized it was Easy Top before they spun their guitars? Oh, I knew it was Easy Top. Oh. Yeah, I th- think I might have too. Because of the way it pulls out, I mean, originally it starts right on the band. And you're kind of like and, – and this was, like, hey. of course, Easy Top is massive and yeah. they're doing their big – yeah, it was, it was just kind of like – that's easy top. And when they did the spinning of the guitar and the drum, that's when I was I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. That. So did you guys know that uh, ZC Top's manager was talking to the production guys? And they're like, you know, you got a car in this movie? You really ought to use the Eliminator car. That would be really cool. They're like, um, but we have the DeLorean. It's kind of part of the whole story. He's like, yeah, but the Eliminator, that would be awesome, don't you think? Let's go, boys! Let these sissies have their party! Oh wow! Yeah, they were. I guess I guess Robert Zemeckis, who was producing the movies and directing the movies, he was a big fan of the group. And since he didn't have to do anything to make them look like, yeah, know, just come in, country guys. Yeah, I think they probably wore their own clothes. <laughs> Good news, guys! You get to keep yeah. the wardrobe. I, I could almost argue this song belongs higher on the list. I think so because it's it's such a big scene and they're in it for so long, and it's such a surprise, really. Yeah, too. I would agree so. with that. This next one also comes as quite the surprise. Here is number eight. Number eight. I think I know the song, but can you name the movie in the band? I'd hear lots of silence. Silencio, por favor. <laughs> I'm letting Brad have a shot oh. at this one. I know it. Come on, Brad. Yeah, that's uh, Will the Wolf Survive. What? What? <laughs> no, that's Los Lobos' other hit that I was. That's uh, Los Lobos playing uh, the original, like, authentico version of La Bamba in the 1987 movie of the same name. That's a really that's a good movie. It is a good movie. It kind of ends really awkwardly. And yeah. he's dead. Yeah, it does with him <laughs> screaming. Yeah. And then the brother no! runs up the hill. Yeah. He's like, "That's it." Bridgie! <laughs> well, they have that funeral scene. That's it. Kinda, it's kind of strange. 
It's a horrible ending to what's a pretty well, decent. It movie. was a horrible ending for. Yeah. Yeah, oh too. well. You know, yeah. You know, they filmed that that uh, funeral scene right by a buddy of mine's house. I used to drive by that place all the time. Did you yell Richie out the window when you? Did? I should have. You know, I or should. Did have. you go number eight? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, insider joke there. So yeah, so Los Lobos is actually playing the Richie Valens version of the song. You know, where and Lou Diamond Phillips is lip syncing it earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then when he goes to the Mexican whorehouse with his brother, you see the real Los Lobos there playing the. Uh, the Mexican version of La Bamba. So that's kind of a nice little moment there, you think? Yeah. For a whorehouse. uh, Lou Diamond Phillips has been all over lately. It seems like I see him all the time on TV. He was just on um, like Chopped. Do you guys watch that cooking show, Chopped? No. (laughs) Great. So I'm the nerd. (laughs) No, it's a cooking show. I like cooking shows. It's a cooking competition show. And um, Lou Diamond Phillips uh, fancies himself uh, a foodie now. And so he pops up on a lot of these competition shows. And so he was – on there making, you know, you have to make uh, an appetizer out of 12 mystery ingredients and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. I'm familiar with – I don't think I've seen more than a couple episodes of this, but I do remember like here's the basket. You have to use yeah. these ingredients. Gummy like, worms. Like a phone book. Marshmallow and, cream and, and condoms. Yeah. Keep your bedroom so, out of it. Yeah, jeez. Probably would work well for a sausage casing. Just I don't want that dessert. Yeah, uh, anyway. Um, but so – but I kind of wonder where he went. He was such a big presence in the late 80s between La Bamba and Stand and Deliver, and then suddenly not so much anymore. Yeah, he disappeared. He showed up in a music video last year for – oh, man, I cannot remember the name of the band. It's not it's not AWOL Nation, but uh, he just did some weird – it was this weird Muppet like underground fighting ring music video. It was very <laughs> strange. He played the bad guy. Uh, but he's also, like you said, he showed up on a lot of TV shows lately. I think he was on like Big Bang Theory recently or something. I mean, he's he's kind of yeah. And he also he also hosts. I guess there's a yeah. um, a military channel. Well, there's a million military channels between like History Channel, Military Channel, and um, he hosts yeah. like screenings of military movies. And he and he's on there with like yeah. uh, you know yeah, yeah. retired lieutenant colonel from the Marine Corps who explains who was actually in the battle of whatever the movie's about. And they sit there and they talk about what really happened, stuff like that. Oh, so wow. he's a good guy, but. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the big screen again. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just going to jump in. There's a lot of other people that were in that movie in La Bamba that had cameos. And I don't want us to get letters and say, how could you have left off these guys? Because Bo Diddley was in there. He had a cameo. Marshall Crenshaw had a cameo. And so did Brian Setzer. He gets to sing a whole song in that movie. Oh, cool. So Brian Setzer actually is one of the few celebrity sightings I can lay any claim to. I was in London on business, and he walked through the lobby of the hotel. It's kind of hard to miss. Was he carrying his big guitar? He was not carrying his oh. big guitar. It took me a second. I look. I saw him coming, and I'm like, I know that guy. And then I'm like, where do I? Oh, that's Brian Setzer. Oh, very cool. Who's he? Who does he play in the movie? Um, it's not the Big Bopper. No, he puts, he sings that. Uh, you know, I'd like to help your kid, but you're too young to vote. Uh, summertime blues. Okay. Oh, that's um, that's Eddie Cochran. Oh, yeah, nice. yeah, okay. yeah. Well done. Well done. Moving on. Number seven. Oh, anybody here who doesn't know, A, what this song is, B, who sings it, and uh, C, what movie is going to be thrown off the show. Then I've got some news for you. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched Valley Girl for the first time last night. Last night? You did last not. Last night. Oh, my gosh. I've I, I got to hear this. What do you think? Well... It 
it's it's distracting. We'll we'll talk about it also because uh, um, okay, real quick, we should say this is Josie Cotton. Yes, from yep. Valley Girl. Yeah, and she's in the prom scene where they have. She actually sings like two songs. Johnny, are you queer? Um, Which we just heard. Yep. And she also sings that uh, he could be the one. It's funny because it's. It doesn't hold up. Oh, I don't want Steve to be mad at me. <laughs> no, no, no. It, how can you say it doesn't well, hold up if you didn't hey, see hey, it? Then? It's, it's hard to. Well, because you can't say it doesn't hold up if you didn't see it. Then. Well, I can say that it it has a lot of uh, references to that time. It was an absolute joy to watch. Don't get me wrong. I loved watching it, seeing all the outfits, seeing the the preppy guys dressed with their popped collars, and and Nicolas Cage is supposed to be a punk, and he shows up in like a two piece suit. No um, Val dude can touch him. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> what was funny was, um, I I knew Deborah Foreman was in it, of course, because I'm a fan of stuck in the '80s. But I didn't realize until watching it last night that Deborah Foreman was also in Real Genius. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I didn't know that Michelle Mayrink, who was in Real Genius, was in um, Valley Girl. Huh. So I was like, wow, this is like a reunion of some of these people. Yeah. So that that was really cool. And I, I would have to say it's got one of the best soundtracks of any 80s movie out there. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, really good soundtrack. Really good soundtrack. Yeah, it was really fun to watch and, and watch it with my daughter. And it was only uncomfortable because, um, you know, there's a couple of bare-breasted scenes. And, and I finally looked up that apparently the director of the movie had to show naked breasts four times in the film. Like that was in the contract. Yeah, they had to do it four times because they said that would attract young men. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, E.G. Daly, like yeah. in the fifth minute. Yeah, E.G. Daly does it. Um, uh, you see Michelle Mayrink in the bed when you think it's the mom, and Great it's actually scene. her. That's right. Uh, there's the scene in the bathroom when when uh, Nicholas Cage makes up with his girlfriend, his ex girlfriend. Oh, and then there's a scene where so he's in the bathroom and, was... and two at the party, and two people come in there and they're fooling around. Yes. I've been and there's actually, you. we didn't know if it counted, but there's a fifth scene where you see, I believe it's his room or it's a club or something, and there's a poster with a naked woman ah, uh, in the poster. Great. Four and a half. So, four and a so half. Here's so. what I take away from uh, anyway. from Valley Girl, Josie Cotton. Personally, I would put this higher on the list, but I didn't know who Josie Cotton was at the time. Did you guys? No, I didn't. No, and I she loved didn't her. really do anything after this. I yeah, mean, this, this is what, what she's, she's known for. Right? Right? So, in my yeah. mind, you don't rank as high if... I mean, this was like I, she could have been a fake band for all I knew. Great fashion sense, though. Every oh, yeah. time we see this, my wife is like, "I want that mini skirt she's wearing yeah. in the in the prom scene." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." I'll it might be the only open. prom that never <laughs> featured any ballad. Oh God, that pink tux that that guy was wearing in the. Oh, <laughs> so it's a fun movie. I'm glad you finally that got a chance to see it. I um, yeah, it was one of those movies that I saw at a certain time, you know, and that's why probably it sticks with me so much. But I'm, there's a ton of movies from the '80s yeah. that. That uh, I didn't see till much later, and, and and for the most part, yeah, they don't. A lot of them don't hold up. So I remember Daly was always trying to get me to watch Making the Grade, and which I never saw until the last five years, and I was like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure I would have loved it then. I don't but, remember uh, that one. Yeah. yeah, that was a big deal for him. Moving on, number six. This was kind of hard to miss. Uh, the Rave Ups in Pretty in Pink. Also known as, if you want to get in a movie, get in tight with yeah. Molly So this, the story here, which yeah. some people know already, 
Molly Ringwald, obviously starring in the movie. When you see her character in 16 Candles, which came out, what, two years previous to this, I think? She's carrying a notebook that says the yeah, rave-ups yeah. on it. That looks like it was scratched on it with a ballpoint pen. It turns out her sister was dating the lead guitarist uh, slash vocalist of the Rave Ups, a guy named Jimmy Jimmy Podrowski. Uh-huh. Podrowski? Yeah, I was looking at that name too. I don't. Yeah, yeah. Jimmer. I like it. Jimmer Podrowski. Jimmer. Great first name. But, uh, that's basically how else can you summarize? It? My parents hated me. Yeah. Gonna, they wanted me to have to spell my name out loud every. It's got to be hell if you get pulled over by the cops for DUI. What's your name, son? Jimmer. 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 Get out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't even drink. So uh, his sister was her sister was dating uh, Jimmer, and hence uh, we are we get the joy of seeing the rave ups, and I think they're pretty good. Yeah, this is a you know good. It's a club scene. This is a not uncommon use for a band in the yeah in the eighties movie or any other movie. But yeah, they sound good. I think it's important too that the band gets to play in a moment where something big is going on, and this is a moment where Ducky gets to kind of. I mean, you know, Ducky likes. Um, Molly's character, but at the same time, he's sitting with Annie Potts, and he like doesn't he try to make a move on her or something? Just he kind of makes show... out with her. He he uh, plans oh, for honor. That's right. Um, while yeah. making fun of Blaine. No, it's a mm-hmm. great scene. Sadly, uh, the rave ups are not on the soundtrack for Pretty and Pink. That's weird. But they did have an album. I actually went out and bought the album that they were on uh, because I wanted to have the two songs. They sing two songs in the movie. Uh, Positively lost me, which is the the big scene. And then they, um, you see them later, I think, when they sing uh, Rave Up, Shut Up. It's a fun song. Okay, guys, home stretch here. A little enthusiasm. Woohoo! Number five. This is the part where I'm going to go, let's get ready to grumble, because I'm mad that this is number five. <laughs> This should be much higher. It's Oingo Boingo. What do you mean you don't recognize the band? It's Oingo Boingo. It's from this Back to we, School, and it's Dead Man's Party. This is where we bait Drew. Seriously, you put this fifth? Sure. All right. Look, none. No good reasons. None. Okay. This is from... So what is it about this appearance well, that, wait a minute. Uh, that you know, is so explain. special? I, this, is important. this is an important group to me, so I need to, I need to explain a little about the, you know, the song itself. There will be an additional springboard installed for Melon's Dive. This is from their fifth studio album. They, uh, it was released October 28th, 1985. They came one of their favorite Boingo songs ever by Eddie Boingo fan. They would dress the stage whenever they performed with two giant, like, balloon Diego's Mercedes Falcons that would kind of rock back and forth when they sang this song. Great song. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, he's throwing this, like, really cool party, and he gets Oingo Boingo to come play at his party. I'm sorry, that, that was, like, my dream, to have Oingo Boingo play at one of my parties. Seeing Danny Elfman and the boys in their prime, just doing their thing. Oh man, it was so great! Come on, this is just such a great scene. It, it sh- well, it's a it's a cool it, scene. It's it was cool to see them. You're like, hey, I know that band. Like, it's not just some random band at a party. But I got to tell you, pretty much, it's like you, me, and the rest of the fans in Southern California thought that, and the rest of the country's like, wow, uh, okay. Then they moved see, but on. I thought it gave them a lot of legitimacy. Like, hey, this guy, you know, who's trying to be cool, he gets. Boingo Boingo to play at his party. And we did see a future Tony Stark mess with their mix at one point. That's Remember true. That? Actually, I mean, that's what that's Oingo Boingo's participation in that scene is the soundboard cracks the windshield mm-hmm. on the on what's his name's that, Morgan. Yeah. Towards uh, Tony Stark's world. <laughs> Derek, get up, will you? You look like the poster boy for birth control. Here's my takes on this. Um, 
Yes, I mean, I, I knew who Oingo Boingo was at the time, obviously. I, I kid. I just, yes, I know. I believe they probably appear in there because Danny Elfman handled the uh, oh, I'm sure original music score for this. Yeah, um, It's only the second movie on our list so far where when I saw the band, I knew who they were, which is always a bonus because you're like, oh, yeah. it's Oingo Boingo. I mean, yeah. yeah. It didn't hurt that they had their name up in neon behind the band, so yeah. just in case yeah. you weren't sure. But it, just, <laughs> it, looked, it looked a little staged. It looked a little like – not to say product placement, but it was kind of like – not oh. as gritty, not as integrated into the scene. You, you what do you mean not integrated in the scene? They're having a party. They're the party band. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it, I mean, in fairness, it could have been any band. It could have been any band there. Okay, we're going to... I mean, it's cool that it was Oingo Boingo. That's why, that's why it's so awesome, and that's why it should be higher, especially when we... Some of the ones further down on our list, I can't believe you put them ahead of Boingo and... and you know, and, t- put the fa- take the fanboy hat off for 30 no, seconds. No, I don't have to. I will never see Oingo Boingo. <laughs> they will okay, never play well, live again because Danny Elfman has lost so much hearing. He won't do it. So I'll never get to see this band play live again. But how many times did you, you yeah. saw them? Plenty of times. Oh, plenty so. of times, but it's never enough. Okay, so <laughs> here's here's the thing about Oingo Boingo. I think it's in the I right had spot. Every album that they might be the only, they might be the last band or maybe the only band that I ever followed where I had every single album, and I did yeah. see them twice. That being said, the second time I saw them, I was kind of like, okay, I've seen them oh. enough. Can we jump to number four? Number four. Uh, James Brown in uh, Rocky Four, nineteen eighty-five. The other thing you might notice about our list: almost every movie is right down the, the middle of the decade. A lot of yeah, yeah, a lot of eighty-five, a lot of eighty-six. So I don't know what that means, but James Brown, uh, nineteen eighty-five. This song actually composed uh, in part by Dan Hartman. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh wow, he actually re-recorded this song for his nineteen ninety-four album, uh, "Keep the Fire Burning." Did he really? Yep. Oh. You want to hear it? Drop some of that on us. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, ca- cast your mind back. Cast your mind back to um, we did an interview for Stuck in once with um, Carl Weathers. Not to be great episode. We asked Carl what his favorite of all the of all the movies he'd appeared in. What's his favorite memory? And he said, and without any pause, being on stage with James Brown in Rocky Four. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. If, Damn. That's it. kind of what. If it weren't for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm giving it to you now. I was so pissed because, I mean, one of your arguments about Boingo being fifth is like, well, you know, it, they were just kind of there. It was kind of dressing and it was just kind of like not really for the scene. And I would I argue like the same thing the, about I like this. how you do the sad voice when you mimic us. <laughs> but, you know, that was going to be my argument about James Brown and Rocky IV. It's like, yeah, they just kind of did it just to show off and it wasn't really – you could have had somebody else there. But, if you know, okay, Carl Weathers says that's his favorite moment. It totally Fine. shows the difference between living in America and living right. in Russia where to train for fights you have to carry big logs right. around. Sure, but you could have picked, you know, <laughs> no Bruce Springsteen wow. or someone or – you needed, else who represents you needed America? something like that was over the top Americana. I know. It, if anything, you can make an argument this might deserve a higher spot on the list. I think you know James Brown also gets some credit for showing up in um, my favorite Doctor Detroit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that probably Crickets pulls him down a yeah. little bit. <laughs> but no, I think I think it's the perfect song 
for the scene and and it's a it's a funny moment you know ultimately a sad moment but uh but but Carl Weathers puts it over the top with his personal endorsement um number yeah. 3 is going to be a surprise for people who know me and how much i like uh or dislike particular people of the 80s here we go number 3 Madonna with Crazy For You from Vision Quest 1985. Anybody surprised I would put a Madonna song in here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and put it so high. I mean, this to me could have gone further, like closer to the Josie Cotton side. Yeah, of the top here's 10. the thing. At this point in time, everybody knew who Madonna was. She was still making music that I still enjoyed. Yeah. And this was her first appearance in a major motion picture. Is this before Desperately Seeking Susan? Does that not count? I guess. I mean, it would have to be, right, if this is the first appearance in a major motion picture? Way to screw things up, Brad. Well, because I ask a cogent question? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to go with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's the same <laughs> year. So that's I read that somewhere, so we're going to go with it. Okay. In some countries, actually, the, the title of the film was changed to market on Madonna's uh, fame and the popularity of the song Crazy For You. So in a way, this song is almost almost – overshadows the movie that it's in that's how damn important oh, it is. i don't think that's possible eh, vision quest wasn't i mean we love it but i mean let's face it it's not going to be under most people's top 20 list of favorite i mean uh, okay sure sure yeah and and crazy for you i got but when i saw that she also sang gambler i was like i didn't even know that that was a madonna song like i, I don't think i'd ever heard that song yeah, before. I just you know what it and i'm like that's not a bad song no it wasn't but i read somewhere that it's the last song that it's entirely self-written by madonna too yeah, I I can't I cannot verify really? that, but oh, wow. I, I'm going to take that as the truth. It was a weird situation. I know that the, the the people who were doing the movie they specifically wanted a song um, about the, the lead characters meeting in the nightclub. They they were looking for a certain sound. It was one of those things where nobody kind of was like in love with it at first. They kind of felt like it's bad timing for Madonna to be doing a, a one off song because her her album Like a Virgin had just come out. They didn't want to detract from that. So yeah. it was just it was just a weird time and to actually see her perform and not and not over the top not like you know like uh, oh my god everybody look Madonna yeah just participating in the scene she's just a part of the club in, in my mind yeah. she earns points for that so there I feel dirty for defending her but this next song will wipe it all away are you ready number two. The Plimsolls with Million Miles Away from the movie Valley Girl, 1983. The first double entry in our list. Yeah. And the last. Not to be a spoiler, but... Yeah. So the Plimsolls are one of their favorite bands. They would have, what, three songs in this? I actually thought, gosh, they were like the house band for that club that Nick Cage goes to. Yeah, seriously. I mean, they were, they were there every time. And I, I loved when they played this song. I actually I, I caught myself singing along to it, and I was interrupting lines from the movie. 
just because it's such Daughter's a great like, song. Shut up, Dad. Yeah, she was. Yeah, well, every yeah, every time there was. Do you a, want me to turn it up? She, she actually claimed when the when the fourth set of breasts showed up on screen, she was hiding <laughs> under the cover. She goes, "You're not allowed Please. to pick my movies anymore." <laughs> but I had to say, you know, I'd never seen it either, so I couldn't. I couldn't. You know, I guess I should have warned you. I don't think about that much anymore. But um, the Plimsolls obviously formed in Paramount, California. Where is Paramount? Is that L.A.? It's in yeah. L.A. County. Okay. The club that they play in, do you guys know where it actually is? Does it still exist? Which, I, I don't remember. What was the club? It's just some nondescript. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think of they, they don't show a marquee or any kind of name. I'd for be it. surprised it's be if it's – it, I'd be surprised if it doesn't exist in some form or another. There are 10,000 clubs down there. Uh, it was kind of fun watching when they were cruising around Hollywood. I'm like, oh, I know that place. Oh, I know that place. And and it, a yeah. lot of those moments and a lot of those areas have totally changed. They went by the the Grauman's Chinese Theater, and there's yeah. a road that goes away from it that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> and it's like, wow. So it, it was really neat to see Hollywood back in the 80s. They go by what, the Pussycat Theater? Is that still there? Yeah, probably. I think it is, yeah. It's, they go down Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. So. yeah. Hollywood Boulevard's cleaned up a little bit. It used to be just a lot of lingerie stores and tchotchkes, and they, and they've kind of cleaned it up. Um, there's still a lot of tchotchke stores and stuff, but um, and tattoo parlors, but uh, <laughs> they've got a lot a lot of different stuff there, and they've got you know the whole Hollywood Highland Complex and the Disney's stuff down there. So it's cleaned yeah, up quite a bit. Kodak Theater it's, where they do this. Actually, no, it's not the Kodak Theater anymore. Is it? no, it's, it's the Dolby Theater. Yeah, it's now. the Dolby Theater. There's still, don't get me wrong, Steve, you could drive down that street and still see as many weirdos as Nicolas Cage does in that movie. I mean, there's some freaks down there. And in the club where the Plimsolls are playing, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of weirdos. But the scene with the Plimsolls was just great seeing them play up there. The only thing I found distracting was the audio was off. You could tell they were playing live and they were, but they were using the studio version of the song. Oh. Because there were times when he would totally pull away from the mic and, and he wouldn't even be at the mic and you hear this, yeah. Like, um, yeah, it was distracting. <laughs> here's, what I, here's what I like so much about it. One, A, great music, fantastic music. Definitely yeah. some of my favorite songs from the soundtrack. When I was um, at that age and I was not in a band at that point, and I, I never really was ever in a very good band, I should say too. But when I used to – when you used to – in my mind, when I would have the band fantasy – I was always the Plimsolls. You know, I'm on this dark, you know, I'm on a small stage in a Hollywood club a and I've got sunglasses club. on, you know, and I'm howling, you know, at the microphone and, and stuff like that. And I'm doing a really cool song like Million Miles Away and uh, the whole nine yards. But uh, the band themselves wouldn't last a whole lot longer than the, I think they broke up in the mid 80s and they've staged a couple of mini reunions here and there. And I remember a couple of years ago, when we were planning to go to Las Vegas for one of the Lost 80s shows, we were hearing rumors that the Plimsolls, yeah, yeah we're going to be there. And so I got to admit, like, at least 75% of the reason I went to Vegas that year was just just in case they maybe got the Plimsolls to show up. That didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. that would have so, been awesome. That would have been great. But, uh, nope. yeah, yeah. But the lead singer, Peter Case, he's still out there and he still makes appearances live and stuff like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we. Uh, see one more sh- shot at seeing them someday. I, I think in my mind that's worth a plane ticket. If I knew for sure they were playing somewhere, that would be. I'd love to see them. That would be great. They they really did uh, set. I think they set the mood for Hollywood. You know, I mean, you had the valley bands and stuff like that, but they really did give it that right. edge that I really. And liked granted, we movie. didn't recognize them. They're one of the few bands at the top of this list that we didn't recognize. 
but but yeah, that didn't seem to matter. Everything yeah. else about them earned them the number two spot on the list. So who earns the number one spot? This is interesting. We're gonna have a baby over this one for sure. Let's find out. Number one. Please welcome The Time from Purple Rain, 1984. Nice, huh? Good pick? Bad pick? I think this is a great pick. Perfect pick. It's got an asterisk. Why does it have an asterisk? Because most of the uh, Morris Day in the time, most of his music was actually performed by Prince. And Morris Day, basically, he had to do, he had to record his vocals to exactly what Prince had already recorded. He basically listened to Prince's voice in his head and, and did the exact same stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. that's unfortunate. You could say that the band has an asterisk by it. Oh, yeah. But I wouldn't say that their their place on this list has no, an asterisk. No, I'm just saying that, yes, they were in the film. Yes, they had more than just a cameo. I mean, they were, you know. Yeah, I mean, they kind of drive the story. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is, because I had to look this up just to be sure, because I was like, you know, they didn't invent this band for the movie, did they? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, the time was, was kind of conceived in 1981. It was um, part of Prince's contract with Warner Brothers that he was allowed to recruit and produce other bands. So he put together the time. Yep. The rivalry that you see between the as, as they're known in the movie, the time and uh, the the revolution, uh, Prince's band. <laughs> I love. The, I just want to interview the guy who does the announcing at that club <laughs> in the movie. I think he's got a good voice. The rivalry that you see between the two bands in the movie mimics a rivalry that happened in real life. The time toured with Prince uh, during his 1982 controversy tour, frequent fighting between the two groups. The time were pissed off because they felt like they were underpaid and underappreciated. They didn't feel like they had enough time on stage. They would play practical jokes on Prince. Prince would like punk them back. And it just – it carried over. I think they toured again in 83. Same deal where uh, just bands being upset about it. So when you start this movie – and I I remember when I watched Purple Rain the first time, I was thinking – why is everyone so pissed off at each other? It's like there's no back there's no backstory here. It's like yeah. Yeah. You know, just everyone's angry, but but now when you read it you kind of like, "Okay, I get it now." Did you see how the I mean on the tour how it finished? I mean, it finished with like the time we're on stage and Prince and the Revolution were throwing eggs at them from yeah, off stage. That's not cool. And then no, and then when he went when Prince went on stage, he warned them, "Don't you guys do anything." And they went ahead and they went over to like the craft service table and just threw everything on stage at Prince and his band. That was the final the final show, but with the two bands on tour together. Yeah, it was bad. You see that kind of stuff happening. And you're like, yeah. what horrible things are happening backstage that you're not seeing if they're doing that in front of everybody? Yeah. So the, the time anyway kind of gets the laugh. I wouldn't say they get the last laugh, but they at least have shown some longevity. They reunited back in 2008. You guys remember watching the Grammy Awards when they uh, reformed and they played a medley with Rihanna? Sure, I always watch the Grammys. I watch the Grammys every year, Steve. They are my favorite show. No way. This is my jam. This is also my jam. I hate the Grammys, but I remember I was stuck there at work with uh, Sean Daly that night because we were covering it 
live for the paper. And it was it was really fun. And then later that year, all the original members of the time, so Morris Day, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, uh, Jesse Johnson, Jerome, Jellybean, uh, they reunited for a series of shows in Las Vegas. And they were performing. You saw that show. I saw that show at, at the oh, Flamingo. Wow. So we had tickets. It was a very small, kind of like a club, basically. Yeah. Couldn't have held more than 500 people. Wow. So, no, we got tickets. It, it, we, had already, we were already going to go to Vegas for the Regeneration Tour. That was already a done deal. We'd already bought tickets. And then we realized that Morris was going to be there the night before. And we're like, well, we can't go to Vegas when, when he's there and not see him. And not go see him. Yeah. Sure. That's the beginning of the time schism, the, the fracturing of the time-space continuum that has haunted me ever since. So, uh, In 2011, the band announced a name change. They're now known as the Original Seven. Um, That's a good marketing move. Yeah. You will still see Morris Day perform as Morris Day in the time. But when he does, he's usually not performing with the original band members. He's usually performing with a studio band. So There was a ton of guys going in and out yeah. of that backing yeah. band, though. So what do you think? Good pick for number one? Yeah. You know, it's like I said, asterisk, but I think it's a good pick. They had, of all the bands that we talked about, they did have the biggest role in the film, like like Steve said, too, or Brad said, they, right. they do drive the film, yeah. the rivalry. So, yeah, I think it's a good pick. But Boingo should have been higher. Noted. <laughs> you know what else should be noted at this point in time? The, the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Uh, you know the drill. We will play a snippet of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, you'll be entered into the drawing to win the Stuck in the 80s bottle opener. Pay attention. Here was the clip from our last show. I'm as sluggish you can and never, ever f- with another man's livelihood. Yeah, that's Guido the Killer Pimp in Risky Business. I love that movie. I know, we never we don't talk about it anymore. We rarely ever name check it, but so be it. Uh, Do you see, by the way, you know, uh, Risky Business – Features a lot of the music of Tangerine Dream, and I saw that their found, founding member just died the other day. Yeah, really sad. No, yeah. sad. Brad, read some of the winners. Winners, winners this week include Mike Wally Walters in San Diego, Gary from the band Tooling for Bovines in Norman, Oklahoma, Howard in Fremont, Scott in New Hampshire, Rob Stroh, and Just Drew. Woo! I actually have my problem whenever I do these things, and I'm, I, is I forget to write in. I listen to the podcast while I'm driving, and then when I get home, yeah, I like have forgotten to write in, a, and I write on don't often hands. know them. Right on your- well, no. So I, I actually pulled into a parking lot and sent the email <laughs> from a parking <laughs> lot. Responsible. Of you. <laughs> I gotta be on this one. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised to see your name. I was like, wow, you don't, you don't normally enter because no, I always yeah. forget. That's okay. Pay attention. Here's our clip for this show. I'm going through a period of my life where I just can't be around people. If you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com or steven the 80s or brad in the 80s at gmail.com. Ah, <laughs> the mystical refrain of Name That 80s Tune. Hey, we'll play a snippet again of a song from the 80s if you get it right. Again, uh, you'll be entered for that uh, bottle opener. We've sent them all out now, right, Brad? Um, I'm still waiting for an address from the last one from uh, the young lady who is in Edmond, Oklahoma. Julie, Julie Brown, downtown Julie Brown? Yeah. But when I get that address, I'll send it out. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's the clip from our last show. That's Bad Medicine by Bon Jovi. Bad medicine is what I need. Oh, shake it up just like bad medicine. 
not get that one. Really? I'm not. A, you know, I wasn't a hair metal guy. Neither was I, but I got this one. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> I gotta force myself every once in a while to put a hair metal one in there. To be honest, 80s Nation thanks you for the diversity. I think we're gonna finally get around to the hair metal show um, at the end of this month. That's my plan. Yeah, you've been saying that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This time we mean it. This time we actually have <laughs> we actually have an outline for the show and everything. Can I throw out something really quick? You say th- the Beatles thing that we were doing. Uh-huh. Uh, we did the first show a year ago. <laughs> what are you in a hurry? <laughs> it dawned on me when we were getting ready. I was like, "Oh wow, the Beatles! We still need to finish that up." And it's been a year yeah, since we did. We still have two. We left. could have done that today, but you guys wanted to do this instead. <laughs> no, I didn't want it. That's too depressing. <laughs> I can't believe it's been so long, but I don't want to actually talk I about didn't, that. <laughs> I did. I was. I wasn't in the mood to bring up John Lennon. Ah, read some of the winners. Winners, winners, winners. Winners include Alex Stix Cardoso Solis, Tom, who's stuck in a basement in Austria, Matt the Ooh. Big Mac McLeese in Michigan, Kurt in Dirty Jersey, Shazam from St. Louis, The Train, Chris from South Lyon, Todd Bro, Tim in Harrisburg, Tony in Indy, Charles from Yorktown, and Kurt, who writes, Hey guys, this week's music clip sounds a lot like Bon Jovi's Bad Medicine, but it can't be that easy. Can it? Just send me my damn keychain already and be done with it. This podcast never ceases to throw me back to the 80s, which I'm guessing is why you started it, or what it is you strive for when producing each episode. Recently, I've been writing a sort of memoir of my past, starting in 1980, and the things that scratch that memory bank in the back of my brain the most is music and movies. By revisiting things I've seen and heard, I'm able to resurrect so many memories and stories from my youth. This last podcast, you mentioned Modern Problems, Whoa. I had to take a step back. I'd completely forgotten about that movie and remember going to the theater to see it when I was 10. (laughs) 10! (laughs) I forgot exactly what the substance was in the snorting scene that he snorts, but it was my first introduction to snorting drug humor, which Daly would not agree with. It also just happens to be the most popular and maybe even the funniest scene from that movie. Yeah, it probably is. Um, I went back to revisit movies from 1980 and 1981, and a flood of forgotten memories came rushing in. A few that stuck out. Harry's War, Modern Problems, My Bodyguard, Clash of the Titans, The Fog, Xanadu, The Devil and Max Devlin. Maybe it's time for a Cosby in the 80s episode. Too soon. I wouldn't touch that. I'd I'd give my left nut not to do a Cosby episode. (laughs) Scanners. There's just too many to mention. Hopefully, I can find some time to sit down and revisit a few of these. So with that, keep up the good work, guys. As I type, I'm listening to episode 270 and enjoy being able to listen to two or three episodes a day during work. Not sure what I'll do when I catch up. I guess start over because, like Chevy Chase says, I like it. Cheers, Kurt, a.k.a. Nick Goose Bradshaw. Oh, by the way, Brad, my wife is a yoga teacher, so next time you're in Seattle, I'll have to direct you to her studio. I myself don't partake in yoga like I should, but I do enjoy yoga pants <laughs> on women. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm glad he added that. Okay, let's spin the wheel real quick about who won the bottle of wine. Here we go. It is Gary from the band Tooling for Bovines in Norman, Oklahoma. That's Oklahoma's going two for two now. Oklahoma. Yeah, so what that means is yeah. if you're in Oklahoma, you have no chance of winning for the next <laughs> half year. That's probably true. 
I think it's rigged. I, I think these are all Brad's old friends. I would just send them to them. I don't. Have to, I mean, I'm in possession <laughs> yeah. of the bottle. Yeah, you know, we don't have to, to have any sort of game here. <laughs> you know, Price Waterhouse isn't yeah, auditing yeah. us. So. Pay attention. Here's the yeah. clip for this all show. Right. I loved you then, so I love you still. Though I put you on a pedestal, I put you on the pill. If you know it, email us. You have the email addresses by now, and tune in next week to find out if you are a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool and the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of call like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. left first of all i want to say um if anybody out there disagrees with our ranking by all means send us some write down write it down on a piece of paper <laughs> yeah fold it up place. real tight <laughs> <laughs> but uh no send it because we don't care we, i love it when someone points out a, a movie that we totally forgot like yeah yeah how could you forget that one scene in uh, the flamingo kid well i'm pretty sure we didn't forget any scene in flamingo kid but that's okay tell us what we forgot and we'll next well, next time we'll do better uh, in the meantime, interesting news. You know, we normally we talk about the '80s cruise at some point during our podcast. We did, we didn't today. I'm going on another uh, '80s cruise. I just found out about the other day. Uh, Brad knows what I'm talking about. My full time gig is um, I used to work for the newspaper. And I used to be the entertainment editor, but now I work for a, a group of magazines based here in Orlando. One of which is Islands Magazine. And the last month, I've been redesigning their website, Islands.com. But uh, Carnival Cruises wrote me the other day, and they're like. I'd like to invite you on a cruise. Uh, as you might know, we have these concert series going on with our cruises. And we have one in six weeks uh, featuring a band called Journey that you may have heard about. Oh, God. <laughs> so we'd like you to be our guest uh, on the Journey cruise. And I'm like, you know, all expenses paid. I'm like, well, let me think about it. Was like, you turned them down, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. No, you, this is what, actually in the travel business, this is pretty much how you do your job is you go on these. Oh, yeah. You go on these press trips. So nice, just like politicians. Yeah. Okay, so you just you go and you, you gather information and bring it back. I've been on. This will be my third. <laughs> I went to Grenada. I went to, to Cancun. I know. Oh, man. So this I'm is, messing with you. I, like I would do any different. Yeah, <laughs> so, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah I, I, 
I don't really have a. Light it's to pretty stand sweet. Eighties <laughs> cruise? Sure, I'll go on eighties cruise. So it's it's kind of weird. So I, I'd heard about these before, but I never knew quite how they put them off. Like on the eighties cruise, all the bands are going to be on the boat with us for the most part. There might be some that maybe they get off right. after they've been on there for a few days, but with the journey cruise, it's um, it's actually kind of cool. It's two cruise ships leave at the same time. It's March fifteenth to the twenty second, and they have slightly different itineraries. But at one point in the trip, they both meet up in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. They're there on consecutive days, I should say. And one day, Journey gets on the boat, plays the little theater, which has about 1,300 seats, and then gets back off the boat. The next day, the next ship shows up. They get back. They get on to the concert, get off. So it's just it's just basically one concert. <laughs> but it's a seven-day cruise. So that's, so that's kind of cool. So, yeah. I'm, I'm a little disappointed. I kind of had in my mind how bitching it would be if, like, Journey – came in in a helicopter, you know, with Journey on the side of it, and they land on the back of the boat, you know, yeah. and, and they get out and they're <laughs> that like, would be rock, you know, and that's kind of how I picture Journey should always do it. So that would be kind of cool, though, I think. So I'm looking forward to seeing how it plays out. Just from a logistical standpoint, I think it'll be kind of interesting. I think the way it works is, like, on the 80s cruise, if you go on that ship, the whole cruise line has been bought out for the 80s cruise. If you're not there's no reason to go on the 80s cruise unless you're totally into the 80s. Right. This yeah. is, on the other hand, a regular – just a regular schedule. So it's just like an overlay on a regular right. cruise. And I guess how it works is if you – like you can go on this cruise and not go to the concert. If you go on this cruise ship, the concert I think is 50 bucks. Really? So it's like an right. excursion. It's like an excursion, exactly. So – and I guess you can get a VIP ticket too and you meet the band and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see if I get VIP treatment and get to meet the band. So if anybody out there is looking for a last-minute vacation idea, feel free to join me. I'm leaving out of Port Canaveral and it's on Carnival Liberty. And usually the seven-day cruises on Carnival, they're not – they're pretty pretty—they're pretty inexpensive. I mean they're definitely um, in most of our budget ranges. And they're always a fun time. It's a newer ship. And I, I've been on like 12 or 15 cruises over the years. I really enjoy it. So to me, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'll post some photos uh, from the boat, stuff like that. Be fun. Yeah. So, so Beatles yeah. in the eighties. Is we need to finish that up next? Uh, we'll put it on the list. Yeah, put it on the <laughs> list. Hair metal has to come next. I think that might be fair. Yeah. So, well, that's great. So, we're going coasting in for our usual hard landing. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you walk away from it. Brad in L.A. and Drew, thanks so much for being on the show again. Thanks for having me back. Always happy to be here. Keep on rocking it, brother. Yeah. I got nothing left to say. Uh, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, myself, Morris Day, and the fellows, we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a Class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. What was that? Jawbreakers. That's what that was about, right? Don't, don't, no, no, was, we're not doing well, this again. Was it, was it Jawbreakers? <laughs> you said it, not me. Nope.